Taz Life Can Bear Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candair, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about his book, I Holmes, joining us is Michael Lent. Thanks so much for being with us, Michael. Hey, how are you guys? Oh, we're good. Looking forward to another uh, good episode here at Candair. Uh, you know. We don't put out bad episodes. Come on. It's all, you know what we're all, all about. It's all gold Not quality. One. It's all gold here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in our uh, <laughs> retro roundtable this week, we're going to be talking about robots. Very excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jack had suggested this, and like my first response was like, well, we've already done that, but I don't think we have. Not once. Not that I can remember. No. no. It seems like something we would have done a long time ago. But... No, I think we're good, yeah, though. There was something about robots that we've brought up, but I can't. I, I don't know. think it was a, like a main topic. I was sitting there watching uh, Ex Machina over the weekend, and I was like, oh, man, that's a robots are cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect, and we chose the right segment. Then we're going to open the door to the comic vault. What do you have over there, Jake? 4001 AD. The cover looks awesome. Oh, the cover is awesome, and this is like two-thirds of an awesome comic, too. <laughs> it takes a sharp <laughs> turn into absurdity, but it was fun. Uh, nice, nice. All right, one of the books we'll be hearing about uh, there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Michael and talk about iHome. So, let's kick it off with this week's Retro Round Table. Hold on to your butts. Spared no expense. Excellent. All right. Famous robots. Let's really quick kick this segment off. Uh, when me and Michael were talking via email, he said that this was the perfect topic to do because you had at one time pitched a game called Castle Storm and Robots, which just sounds like an awesome. I'm already sold. Awesome game. <laughs> Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I was with a company based out of Colorado called uh, Slime Sandwich, and it was a lot of the um, guys from Photo Bucket had started a game company. This was uh, 2007 through about 2013, and we put up a game, a big um, MMORPG called Scaps Agent, and then uh, an, a game that was like the number one game on iTunes for about uh, two nanoseconds called Chuck the Chilla, where you actually throw a, a chinchilla around a science lab. Uh, I mean, that was kind of fun, but that. one of <laughs> and or wanted to, yeah. Right. It just seemed to me like as a mashup, the idea of medieval robots kind of meeting almost you know, Monty Python, Holy Grail, where they could step on, you could just, uh, you know, disable them by st them stepping on a rake or catapulting, you know, uh, a cow onto them and, you know, those that sort of things. So, uh, unfortunately, the game, the company went under just as we were starting to develop that. But, um, you know, when uh, Jeremy mentioned the topic, it really touched a sore uh, subject, a sore spot for me because uh, the fact that, yeah, well, you know, ro robots in the fictional world have really kind of let us down when you compare them to robots in the, you know, real world. Right. And uh, 
Yeah. Well, I didn't mean uh, to yeah, you get know, a sore spot with you. I thought we <laughs> struck a nerve on that. <laughs> I want to talk about it. Thanks for opening that open. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of pissed people. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe before this segment's over, I can pour some more salt and some other wounds of yours. <laughs> I just didn't understand. It sounded like an awesome concept that would right. totally fly, especially nowadays with all the like the different Command and Conquer games. So sounds awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 My point was. Uh, like in, in fiction, you have like the Terminator, or you know the the eight hundred. In reality, we have Asimov. <laughs> there are some pretty cool robots. Baymax, we, oh, sure. we have, Baymax, we have Al Gore. <laughs> as far as real life robots, though, what about that one that Honda had built? Like, wasn't the Asimo kind of a uh, play on that? Like, wasn't it at like Asimo? Asimo. Asimo. Something like that. That was yeah. on South Park, Asimo. But it's yeah. all, yeah, it is awesome. But it could, uh, like, walk upstairs and I, stuff. I think he was meant to be Gort. I think he was meant to be Gort. <laughs> Should hope not. <laughs> Built for a different purpose, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what always impresses me is that I think it's called the Da Vinci. It's like their microsurgery automaton. Like, just recently oh, completed yeah. the first minimally invasive procedure without any human supervision. That's crazy. That's extraordinary. Very much so. Like yeah. the medical field, that's that's the place to put advanced technology. We're working our way toward Jason X. Remember oh, that movie? Time. <laughs> <laughs> that My movie greatest dream. <laughs> Didn't that win a few Oscars, Golden Globes? I thought uh, it did. You mean all the Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> I think it swept the awards yeah. that year, but uh, yeah, that scene where his... Jason's corpse laying there and all those little nanobots come in and bring him back. How retarded. Oh, man. The world's a broken, desolate place. <sighs> that it is. That it is. All right. Now, there's something I need to clear the air here, because if we're going to talk robots, I, I want to make sure we make the distinction. Are we talking like artificially intelligent robots or like piloted mechs and things like that? Anything you want. I was wondering the same thing, because it, it could go two different ways, but just a robot in general. Any, okay, any, anything like, you want. One of my favorite science fiction concepts, in spite of the every violation of physics and reality it uh, it commits, is the gigantic piloted robot. Sort of like get your Pacific Rim and things of that nature, which I know oh, I we've had conversation. I know. Oh, here we go again. Let's have the conversation. We're no only second Jake thought. This does not qualify for the segment. I'm sorry. Moving I'm on. Just saying, I love gigantic machines of war. Oh, you know what? I just realized this ties into the comic I brought. So that's cool. Look at you. Hey, making connections. Full circle here. Yeah. That's nice. Me. Nice. Look, I got a famous robot here. Who here remembers? Uh, the little adorable girl robot, Vicky. Oh, I was sitting here looking at really like, list, and she's one of them, too. From the, the show Small, Small Wonder. Wonder. Oh, yeah. Remember that yep. show? <laughs> I'm lost. <laughs> Vacuum and pick up a couch with one arm from oh, the yeah. corner of the couch. What about you, Michael? Do you remember Small Wonder? I don't remember Small Wonder, but now you got me wondering about Small Wonder. Ah, oh, see? That's the magic of small wonder. We, yeah, yeah. we made him have a yeah. small wonder himself. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look at that. Look at that. But, this is next level entertainment. But I do, have, <laughs> I do have a question. Sure. Is is RoboCop a robot? He's would, robot enough yeah, for this conversation. So. And an American yeah. hero worthy of our respect, obviously. Okay, in that same vein as RoboCop, then does Darth Vader qualify as a robot? Mm, nah. Because isn't it like sort of the underpinnings are human, and then he has this 
like basically a prosthesis or I mean, I, I think what qualifies as a robot? Darth Vader is a mm. human being with extensive prosthesis. Robocop was a human framework upon which a killing machine was built. Right. You know what I mean? I think he's more, yeah. even he's more though like uh, autonomous the, than yeah, human. Yeah. Yeah. And the line is literally, he's, he's more machine now than man. Right. That's what I was going to say is like <laughs> Robocop is more, more machine than man than Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> but in so, ways so it's more human than I'll ever be. <laughs> so would Osimo from South Park be considered a robot? You goddamn right. He's on my fucking list. Yeah. <laughs> Osimo, are you a pleasure model? I am Osimo. <laughs> Weak. What a great. Oh yeah. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> When when Butters leaves him alone for like a minute and he scrambles to the bathroom and starts eating the toothpaste because it's been like three days since he's eaten. (laughs) Oh my god, Lord! Priceless show, quality. How about the uh, the robots from Mystery Science Theater? Oh man, Tom Servo and Crow. Oh, Crow was it Gypsy? Oh, Gypsy. Gypsy And there's someone else too in there. Oh yeah, but I can't remember any of the other ones. I think his name's. They're like small part robots in it. If they weren't funny, I didn't care to right. learn their name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got other things to learn. About the uh, Iron Giant robot. Oh, you beat there me you to go. it. Yeah. Ah. Iron Giant rules. I need to rewatch that movie. It's been a long yeah, time. Same yeah, same here. Me too. Yeah. I hardly remember anything about it, but a good movie it was. I remember being pretty young when that came out. Mm-hmm. You know, went to see it with the family, just kind of yeah. killing a weekend. And I was like, oh, this giant's really cool. He'd be cooler if he had guns, because I was a fucking weirdo when I was younger, and everything had to be armed and dangerous. And then right at the end of the movie, he becomes guns. You know, like, every part of him is a new and more What do you mean weapon. when you were younger? You have sat behind this microphone several times and said you wished that your consciousness was put in a robot armed with guns. That's fair. I'll give you that. I cannot deny it. I just want to be guns. Uh, one day. You keep dreaming. <laughs> Anything's do. possible if you put your mind I to know, it. I know, right? Yeah. All right, guys. Jack, uh, Michael, famous robots. Voltron. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Voltron. Ooh. They're supposed to be remaking that, or did they yeah. remake that? Yeah, and season two just came out. But I spent most of the weekend crushing that series. <laughs> I have yet to watch it. <laughs> Crushed it, bro. <laughs> Crushed it. <laughs> And the Pretty Lion savage. Voltron, not the car. Right, that's cheap car bullshit. Voltron. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I remember whose when I was idea kid, was that? I don't know. I remember when that series was on. Every day, it was like, like 3 o'clock, it was on. The Lions. Like clockwork. One day, I think it was like a Wednesday. Turned it on. It was Voltron, but it was a whole bunch of cars, airplanes, and helicopters. And I was like, what the heck so is like this? Diet Voltron. <laughs> like yeah. one-calorie, caffeine-free Voltron. Uh, Voltron Clear. Oh, man, I can't believe it took me this long to think of it. Um, and I want to clarify. Generation 1, all right, the OG first season Transformers. Mm. It's about the closest thing to religion I recognized when I was a kid. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Transformers movie with its terrible, terribly awesome soundtrack. You got the touch. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. You got the power. Optimus Prime's still my hero. I think this will be now the third episode we go out on that song, <laughs> right? So it's, it happens it's like all the tradition time. now. I'm not arguing. I mean, no, I, I like going. It works out on for that me. Song. So uh, yeah, it works. Michael, what about what about you? Some famous robots. 
Robits. Robits. Ashen Bishop. Ashen Bishop. You. I don't know who this is. Alien and alien. Oh, oh yeah. geez. Okay, now, yeah, now, hey, I've got a good excuse here. I've said on the show before I haven't, I haven't seen Alien since and I was I like, still a haven't kid. come to terms with that. Yeah, but you, yeah. you guys who gave really? me so much I, shit, yeah, who have seen it. You got me. There. What about David believe. from Prometheus? Then, yeah, yeah, in that same vein, mm-hmm. but just like with the asshole switch yeah. turned to eleven and then broken off. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see, it goes to eleven. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh man, great oh, androids. God. Well, one of them was pretty great. I think the other was kind of a dick. I mean, if someone tried to strangle me with a rolled-up paper, I'd, I'd be pissed. But <laughs> you don't even know what I'm referencing. I don't, but it, but it sounds it's funny. funny. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, you're saying if you were strangled, you'd be right. pissed. That's I, funny. That's true. Yeah. It's funny. It's, I cannot tell a lot. Uh, the actor that played Bishop is Lance Henriksen, and He's he a total badass. And, yeah, he does a lot of uh, California Comic Cons. He is just such a cool guy. That I believe. Uh, really amazing person. One of my all-time favorites. Love to meet him one of these days. I need to watch this movie. You do, man. What are you doing here? Movies. We're going to cut the episode now. You know what? There's movies that you guys haven't seen that probably warrant as much harassment. No, so no. Not compared to Alien and oh, Aliens. Jack, it wasn't it you who hasn't seen Goodwill Hunting? Oh, shit. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, oh, boy. I'm up. Oh, <laughs> Oh, oh, no, Will. What are we going to do? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Wrong. <laughs> oh, from uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the camera guy comes up to Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and puts his hands on He's like, let's make it happen, guys. So I'm like, get your fucking hands off me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, anyway. Lordy. Moving along. Famous robots here. Um, as a child, Conky. From uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, shoot. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. That was a robot that, as a child, mind you, I wanted. I mean, he was was 80s fucking cool. He had an 80s boombox as his upper chest. I mean, that's cool. And he would scratch and remix while he was talking. Yeah. What a badass. Pee Wee. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, wasn't his best friend Lawrence Fishburne? Oh, man. Yeah, Uh, Cowboy Carl. We... He's everybody's Curtis, best friend. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Cowboy Curtis. Cowboy Curtis. Yeah. Or Curtis, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say, Carl? Cowboy Carl. Carl yeah. Wasn't that your nickname in that high was, school? Oh, you just I was just about shit, to man. say it, man. I was there. You just slightly <laughs> beat me to the punch. You're all hopped up on caffeine. I've eaten. Oh yeah, I'm pounding Mountain Dew like it's water here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, other famous robots, guys. Uh, how about the Bender. one from Lost in Bender? Oh, yeah. That's My a... spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> that's a gift. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. Every time I've been talking about singularity and consciousness transferal and being a robot, what I've really meant is I just want to be Bender. Mm-hmm. I just want to be great and know I'm great. I want to have a shiny metal ass I can tell people to kiss. <laughs> Be able to smoke and live off alcohol, right? You could be the. Uh, oh yeah, that that'd be the big one yeah. right there. Yeah, I love that'd when be... he stops drinking for a while, gets that rusty beard, yeah. like Bender. <laughs> You're not getting behind the wheel sober again, are you? <laughs> How long has it been since you've had a drink? When he uh, turns human, that yeah. was priceless. Yeah. You could Woo. you could be Bender in that aspect. I could. It Just would come take over some and time. poke you. <laughs> he just said woo. <laughs> Oh, other great robots. 
Lost in Space, Hal that robot. Oh, how? Damn it. Every time I try and oh. say Lost in Space, someone comes up with a much better robot. Like, <laughs> seconds before me. How? What a bastard. How? I should know Space this Space Odyssey, 2001, Space Odyssey. If you tell me you haven't seen this movie, Jeremy, I'm going to flip this goddamn table. I'm on your team no. this time, Jeremy, because I've never seen it either. Oh, you guys. Stop. I know who Hal, though, is. Stop. Stop. Creeps the hell out of me. I saw an archival 35 Wait, what's Michael trying to say here? It was... It was stunning. I was quoting Hal. Yeah. No, Dick. Stop. Oh, um, Dave. I thought he was saying, like, stop Dave. the conversation, Jake. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wished on a star as I said, <laughs> Michael, go ahead. Spit it out. What were you going to say? Tell me it was wrong. Thanks, man. Glad uh, you got my yeah. back on this one. A few years ago, I'm you know, based in L.A., and I got invited to, a few years ago, Frank Darabont, uh, the writer-director's birthday party was no at kidding. Paramount Studios and what he wanted for his birthday was to see 2001 Space Odyssey with like 500 of his closest friends and uh, so we watched the movie, it was like, I think it runs like three hours and then when the screen uh, the lights came up again uh, we all sang happy birthday it was it was really cool this was oh, wow. uh, at, yeah after he had done season one of Walking Dead wow that's wild that's yeah. really cool I wish yeah, I could have been. It was a nice birthday. <laughs> I would have, could have said I'd seen the movie then. I got a new video game yeah. for my last birthday. That was pretty cool. <laughs> we I spent it with pizza. two of my closest friends. We watched a movie, and then they ate all my pizza and left. Oh, man, that's starting to turn a little sad. Sorry to hear that, Jake. I'm not saying my birthday was sad. I'm saying all my birthdays have been sad. Oh. There's uh, a closet and a length of rope over there. I'll be right back. Get it or maybe with. not. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, moving on. What time are we at? We have we have uh, time for a couple more here. The Megazord. Nice. Oh yes, boy, you hit a spot right there. <laughs> I might need to go change my it. pants on that one. <laughs> wow, well, I, I just went from six here. to midnight. The old Megazord, the original right, Megazord, the big chunky, yeah. super non-dexterous. But that's why he He's was awesome because he had the odds against him. He's big and bulky and right. slow moving, but it's he was like still something triumph. they needed to match size, but it was still a challenge because yeah. the coordination was difficult. This new one they have for this new movie looks like it's far like too really agile. sleek. Yeah, it's like a Jaeger yeah. from Pacific Rim, which rules. Oh lord. <laughs> that uh, anyway. I'll see both of you in hell. I'm not going to get on the Pacific Rim rant here. I love that movie too though. I know I you like do. It. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What about the uh, robots from the movie Real Steel? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That was kind of cool. Not a great movie, but I like the no, robot yeah. boxing concept. Uh yeah. Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he also do Chappie? Mm. Oh, he wasn't Chappie. He was, yeah. Weren't those similar kind of robots? Um, Chappie became self-aware, and that was kind of... It was like a robotic police... Oh, yeah, they were, like, blocky. Yeah, yeah. I really like that um, kind of industrial robotic look. Um, Damn it, what's his name? District 9, Chappie, Elysium... Blomkamp, Neil Blomkamp. He's got a really good eye for that kind of aesthetic, where it's futuristic, but you can see the progression of modern styles and technologies feeding into it. Always yeah. been a big fan of that aesthetic. When I saw Chappie was coming out, I, it just made me think of Johnny Five. Uh, oh, Short yeah. Circuit. Absolutely. Those were fun movies. Ow. I wish they'd remake those. But, I mean, they're probably far too campy. I mean, yeah, they're he, a little... he was a little out there, but... Especially the second one when he got all 
punk Rocky. Oh, yeah. He was hanging out with those street thugs, and they spray-painted him and put, like, a jacket on him and shit. Lord. The mohawk. Why does a robot need a jacket? Come on. In case he gets cold, man. Come on. Duh. He's made of metal. Anyway. Metal gets cold. <laughs> All right, I think we're uh, we good on this one. I think we've covered we, like so, the big power players. A dead the horse robot. here. <laughs> <laughs> I think too much caffeine was interjected. Maybe, maybe to just this a segment, So, with that, let's just move right on. I had fun though. That was me fun. too. Same. And let's yeah. swing open cool. the door to the comic vault, the newly named segment, the comic. Vault by that was a vault uh, opening sound effect. That was I great. apologize because that was great. I can't tell what it sounded like to the to yeah. our listeners. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out in editing. <laughs> yeah. Real, yeah it's just quick. like, oh, Jake's having a stroke. That's a fun one. But no, uh, this segment, formerly known as the Comic Dump Bin, uh, we decided to rename just because we were starting to get the impression people who were finding that the, finding out their book had made it into the Comic Dump Bin didn't seem like a good <laughs> right. thing. But it was a good thing. Right. The thing is, this week on our comic shit pile. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The the thing is, is I've got great experience with dump bins. I I go for dump right, bins. Right. Yeah. I find great stuff in there, and I I realize that's not for everyone. I but like to it read. It makes shit. sense through the lens of your experience. <laughs> yes. Without thinking about the common man. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know the groundlings. <laughs> right. So uh, our guest last week we it's had the on the show <laughs> our friends from the UK, uh, Nick Good, Harry Hughes, and Luke Barnes. Uh, one of the guys I can't remember. I think it was Nick. This, uh, suggested we call it the comic vault so that's what you, we're going to do yeah good indeed so <laughs> i get it <laughs> right that look out guys like that? we got puns all right so with the door swung open who would like to go first this week if no one else wants to. i'll go first this week oh okay how about that great <laughs> <laughs> okay uh the book i chose for this week is a book that we've actually uh, talked about on the show before with creator jay wright it's his book called undead end and I had to pull this book out because I had so much freaking fun with it. It was so much fun. I guess I can relate. I used to deliver pizzas when I was in high school, and that's what this main character is doing. From the beginning, you open the front cover. He's getting ready to go to his shift delivering pizzas, which on a what I assume is a Friday evening. Maybe they even say that in here. He's out of high school. He's kind of down on his luck. He's still delivering pizzas. His boss is giving him all kinds of shit. You'll make sure you're back here, you know. Pizza going out. Come on. Yeah, you do it better than I do. So so he's rushing around on a Friday night trying to get uh, all these pizzas delivered. And he goes to get gas and runs into a very successful asshole from school. And he makes him feel little. He's still, you know, delivering pizzas after he's out of school. So he's feeling really down on his luck. Happens across uh, a girl that he went to school with by the name of Molly. And this uh, girl is very attractive, very cute. It's a girl that he thinks, oh, I never have a chance with her. I'm just a pizza delivery guy, you know? We've all had that thought yeah. before. I, I've been there. You're right. <laughs> but that same night, Molly invites him over to come watch a movie. So as soon as the shift's over, he can go hang out with this girl he's been crushing on. So he's all riding high trying to get through his shift. Well, all through the night, he sees these big military trucks rushing through town up to this abandoned military base outside of town. It's been abandoned for some time, but there's been a lot of activity out there all of a sudden. And these trucks just keep rushing through town, pissing people off, driving them off the road. And one of these trucks is leaking this uh, fluid, this like radioactive shit. 
that uh, when you come into contact with, it turns into a zombie. So as it's going through town, it's leaking this shit everywhere. People keep coming into contact with it. And by the time the night's up, everyone's zombies. And uh, our, our I don't remember our guy's name, the main dude in the story, he's pretty much just running from zombies, thinking like, you know, what am I going to do next? His next thought comes to Molly, the girl he's supposed to go see. And it ends with him off to see if she's okay. This was such a fun book. It's I didn't do it justice. But, awesome. uh, like, sh- taken at face value, the story, like, sounds kind of formulaic on the surface, but it's so well told, and the art style is so awesome. It's very bright. It's, yeah. uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain. A lot of uh, comics nowadays are using these kind of, like, neon-y pastel yeah, kind of colors. Yeah, it's a very you know? interesting palette, and there's just something crazy endearing about this comic. I, I love it. I can't wait for a second one. It's just, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's, uh, you don't have to, like, sit and invest, like, in a big story. <laughs> At least not yet. This is only issue one. It's not V for Vendetta, you know. You're not here for the... <laughs> no. So Undead... Is that the one with the sources? Yes, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, the yes. Yeah. That was a good book. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, you can find uh, Jay Wright on Twitter at the J Wright Stuff. That's <laughs> the the letter J Wright W R I G H T Stuff. Undead End. Check it out. Who would like to nice. go next? Uh, I'll go. Oh, oh, go no. ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Uh, it's a polite off. Yeah, talking <laughs> with you guys. Round one. Uh, I had seen uh, this really cool little uh, indie horror film called It Follows. It came out last year, uh, maybe 18 months or so ago. And after I saw it, I was like, where have I seen the concept of, you know, STDs being the gate to hell and horror? And I remembered a graphic novel series uh, that I read actually in 2005, but it actually predates that even. Um, uh, to 1995, and it's called Black Hole by Charles Burns. Uh, it was a one uh, one of 12 series, or one through 12, and it takes place in suburban Seattle, mid-1970s, pre-grunge, but they're all kind of, you know, slackers. And we learn at the beginning that there's this uh, strange plague that's descended on the uh, teenagers in the area, and it's an STD. Uh, and it manifests itself in a number of really scary, scary ways, like sprouting horns, molting oh, skin. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it can be anything from kind of hideously grotesque to very subtle and kind of concealable. But once you've got it, then you've got it. And there's kind of no you know, going back on it. And there's four main characters, and some of the kids have it some don't some want to get it you know again because the only way to get it is through uh sexual activity and you know what i liked about it was you might expect that there's going to be like the kids who have it versus the kids who don't and you sort of have a battle and then you know battling the plague and uh all that sort of thing and how do we treat it but instead it becomes this really um kind of a fascinating a portrait of uh, high school alienation. Um, mm-hmm. it, it gets very savage. Um, you know, murders start to happen, and instead of the you know kind of epic battle, um, the kids actually it winds up being about high school alienation itself, and then you know people start uh, dying. Uh, they're they're mur- are being murdered like very savagely, and then it. Um, 
somehow they kind of make their way through it to adulthood. And that's what you really realize. It's kind of this metaphor for surviving adolescence and, you know, the, your teen years to become something else. You mold your skin and become an adult. And what I really liked about it is, you know, that the art is very, very trippy. I said it was 12 books, but it, it's a really fast read. Um, and it, the, it, it almost is like a high school yearbook come to life. Uh, in a certain way. Um, so I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's really scary. It's kind of sexy at the same time. And uh, and it's got all these, all the like really best elements of horror. It's it's uh, good stuff. That sounds really good. What's right. that called one more time? Black Hole by Charles Burns. And again, I think he was, you know, channeling his own childhood in uh, Seattle from the 70s, but he didn't, it took him like 25 years to write it. And he did it on uh, uh, the publisher uh, originally was Kitchen Sink Press, which is like sort of an underground publisher, I think. But then Pantheon, 10 years later, picked it up. And then it won uh, an Eisner, I think, and, a, and maybe a, a Hugo or so uh, in like 2006. So it was one that, you know, it's time finally came. That sounds awesome. I want to look into that. Yeah, definitely. that sounds really good. And you said that was like mid 90s that came out? I originally, but you can find it Pantheon 2005. Uh, they they republished uh, it. Cool. Okay. Awesome. I am going to be looking for that one. Awesome. Cool. Who'd like to go next, Jake? I will go next. Keel. Yeah, I've got 4001 AD. Now I was cleaning out my closet and I found a big pile of like those loot crate exclusive comics. Oh yeah. That I usually don't even consider. You know, <laughs> I mean, but but this one caught my eye just because there's trash in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the the cover was really striking. You've got this sort of synthetic looking humanoid with a katana. His one arm is red and glowing. He's, he's almost like a cyberpunk Mega Man kind of thing going. He's flanked by giant robots and this big dystopian spacey. It's just cool. 4001 AD. Let's give it a try. It's from Valiant, who uh, did. I talked about Book of Death yes. a long time ago, which I loved. And uh, this ties into that sort of. It's really? In the same, same universe. setting. Yeah, so certain characters reappear, like the Eternal Warrior and all that. Like Bloodshot? Or yeah. Is that, or yeah, Bloodshot's in there, yeah. Ninjak, Gilad. Um, wow. It opens up talking about New Japan, which is like the last superpower on Earth, except it's not on Earth. It is a satellite orbiting Earth. It's like an orbital plate station sort of thing. Wow. That's uh, controlled by a tyrannical AI who's got everyone pretty much certain they're safe and everything's a very big brothery vibe. The AI is called Father, you know. Oh, and that's it, reassuring. It, yeah. <laughs> and it created a... And in my mind, every time the AI speaks, it's got, like, George Takei's voice. It's Fuck. got to. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's created... Uh, uh, <laughs> right? Father keeps everyone in line with it said, like, curated entertainment and all-seeing police. And they're cordoned off into these segregated sectors in space. So everyone's happy. They're just kind of... In a dream state, you know, it's sure. not like the real world, but it's, you know, it's kind of working, I guess. But And he creates a son for himself, quote unquote, which is this figure called Rai on the front, who's this sort of sleek, silvery techno samurai who is supposed to be like the enforcer of father. And of course, he goes rogue. This is all in the prologue um, and disappears for a while after failing to kill father. Then there's this girl who lives in New Japan thinking she can kill father. Uh, explodes a virus bomb 
in hopes of destroying him. Well, that's when she learns father's not real. He's synthetic. So the virus bomb infects the sources, water supply, and everything oh, of this station, no. and it starts infecting the populace. So father, in order to keep the spread at bay, is dropping sections, like entire sectors of oh, New wow. Japan from orbit onto Earth, killing everyone inside. And the first panel of the comic proper opens up on these guys who are in uh, sort of a jungle forest biome sector, hunting dinosaurs which they've obviously paid for the privilege because they're talking about it, when the whole goddamn thing just drops out of the sky and they get spaced and everyone dies. And it's crazy because it's, it's, it's interesting the way you've got this freedom fighter figure who was so sure she was doing the right thing ending up being the cause of what is damn near genocide. You know, you've got this, you know, this wry figure spoken of in hushed tones. Who's? It's interesting. They're building this mystique, and I thought the setting was great. The art style super crisp. I love the um, very cyberpunk angle. And then you get about two thirds through the thing. It cuts to Rai, who's on Earth with Gilad the Eternal Warrior and some gigantic hammer wielding bald guy called Lemur, who speaks in the third person. Not sure what his story is. I am Lemur. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they stumble into this giant cave where the mossy remains of a gigantic robot exosuit have been kept. Rai jumps in to take the fight to father. Um, a new sector's falling from New Japan to Earth. He tries to catch it, can't. It just ends up throwing it further off course. Ooh. And it explodes and everyone dies, which they don't really touch on the implications of that. It's just something that happens. And now, here's the crazy. This is where it gets so fucking weird. He gets up there. Father sees him. He's like, you have forced me to enact Protocol Komodo. And and it jumps in to Father, this towering AI. He blasts some laser eye beam across his entire council of human helpers, killing all of them. Slams a button. And the entire New Japan space station transforms into a giant robot dragon. And then they have a weird, silly space (laughs) fight. And you know what? I'd be totally down if it, like, reconfigured so it was less about the well-being of the human occupants and more about weaponization or it unveiled some doomsday weapon. No, it turns into a dragon. A it's dorky, yeah, this dorky-ass <laughs> dragon. It's so bizarre. But it was fun. It was a fun read. I'm not going to say don't check it out, but it was cool. The Sounds art style is very good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I like the look. idea of, like, a uh, hanging-in-orbit kind right, of like Exactly. That was such a strong opening, and then I just mm-hmm. didn't like the way it finished out. And the dinosaurs were on it, huh? Yeah, they were dinosaurs. And they met extinction once again. Again, Again, They can't uh, catch catch a break break. here, can they? (laughs) All right, very good. Yeah, 4001 AD. Cool. And that left Jack. I've got a webcomic called Not a Villain. Hmm. So it's not about a villain? No. I've already lost interest. (laughs) (laughs) It takes place in a post-apocalyptic world where... Everything was destroyed, but all there is is the internet, and the only way people can communicate with each other is through VR, through a whole VR world. And in the world is an MMO game, a multiplayer role-playing game that is basically the only way to make yourself anything in the world is to get people to watch you, kind of like on Twitch, so you'll make money and become famous because... I think it's every month there's a drawing and whoever doesn't make it, like who doesn't have the the highest votes, ends up getting kicked out of the game. And uh, it's about this girl that used to be uh, uh, like a super genius hacker that is trying to reform herself and be uh, 
not bad, I guess. And she's trying to, she's really poor right now. She's try, trying to make her way and she wants to get into the game, but she doesn't have any money. So she's got people that are helping her out and she's trying to get in and do it and not be a hacker and not be a bad guy. Cause I guess apparently hackers are hunted down in the VR world. Ooh. <laughs> so, wow. and it's pretty cool. Cause like there's like 500 pages. So I started from the very beginning and looking at the artwork, it was real minimal, real simple artwork. Um, just kind of like, I don't know, the way we draw, I guess. It was real kind of <laughs> cheesy looking, I guess. But that that artwork actually takes place in the VR world. In the real world, it's real dark and heavy shading, and it looks really sweet. And then when it gets into the MMO game, it's real bright and colorful and, like, cel-shaded. It was pretty neat. I was flipping through farther in the pages. That sounds it's awesome. Pretty, it's really cool. Yeah, I like it was that. pretty cool. What's it called again? Not a villain. Not a villain. I'm gonna look that one yeah, up too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tons of new comics right. to check out. It's like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect from a visit to the comic vault, right? <laughs> very good, guys. Very good. A lot of good books right there. So, none of them belong in a dump. No, That's no. True. <laughs> I don't know. Four thousand one has kind of like a couple toes in the dump. <laughs> it's clutching some railing somewhere. All right, with that, we're going to do something we haven't uh, done for a little while here, a little segment called Real World Heroes. Jack, who have we got this week? Christina Berman from Polk County, Florida. And what has Christina Berman done to deserve a spot on the wall of justice? Well, one day she was filling in as a bus driver, bringing a bunch of middle school students home, and... Well, back to the school. I don't know if it was a like a field trip or something like that, but she was bringing the kids back to the school, and she noticed there was smoke coming from the back of the bus. And she thought it originally was an exhaust issue. Before she knew it, uh, the whole back of the bus was on fire. Kids started, you know, scared, running towards the front, getting scared. And she ended up kept her cool, pulled the bus over, got all the students off the bus just before the whole bus went up. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, it was no time at all that that bus. As soon as she saw the smoke, it was like seconds before the rest of the thing just cooked. Did they say what was wrong? What happened? No, no, I couldn't see it. I couldn't find that in the the article itself. Wow. Every kid got off the bus saying, thank you. (laughs) School buses, even when I was in school, have always scared me. They're just a death trap, man. Yeah. Always wear your seatbelt. Aluminum cylinder with no seatbelt, a ton of other bodies. I mean, anything that happens here. Glass everywhere. Yeah, tell me about it. It's just not a good... Have you ever seen, like, security camera footage of a a school bus getting hit or flipping over? No, I haven't. Oh, it's gruesome. I've seen, yeah, flipping over. It's crazy because it's... Everything's like still except for everything in the middle that's just yeah. swung around inside. Suddenly all the kids fly up like popcorn. Yeah. I'm going to have to look up uh, uh, a school bus crash, I suppose. Well, bring a sweater because <laughs> you're going to feel cold for a long time afterward. <laughs> Never get me on the bus I again. Watch this. <laughs> and for that, Christina Berman, you have found a spot on our wall of justice. In the Hall of Heroes. So keep Yay. up your good bus driving duties there. I'd say, I'd say that's a uh, that's a an associate that deserves some kind of a medal, <laughs> right? maybe. You know? Maybe a couple weeks paid vacation. There you go. There you go. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, with all that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Michael Lent and talk about his book, I Holmes. Thanks again for being with us this week, Michael. 
Thanks for having me. And thanks again for sending us uh, copies of this book. This was a delightful read right here. Um, I sat down, you know, typically when we get these books, you know, we check them out before uh, we talk to somebody, but I was hooked into all three of them. And anyway, I'm going to quit blathering. (laughs) You go ahead and tell the uh, listeners a little bit about uh, iHomes. Well, thanks. That's uh, that's really cool. Uh, You know, especially when you, you work on something with just your small team and then it starts to go out into the world you really aren't sure what uh people's perception is going to be because you just did something for yourself and uh iHomes is this uh project it's about um uh, a teenage girl who uh, literally doesn't know her name uh, she goes by the letter i and i and the last name rose which is something she kind of adopted and she's living on the streets of uh, um, New Jersey and uh, New York. She lives by her wits. She's a kind of a ward of the state. She has a tracking monitor. She's been in and out of trouble. Uh, she's a smart kid, but, you know, she's got some issues. And uh, things start to happen to her. It seems like somebody um, has her in their sights. She's not really sure why. Um, she's uh, she lives in a, a group home. You know, it's just not a great life for her at the time, and uh, starts with a, like a subway bombing that she survives, and she, you know, comes through it, finding out that she's like the number one suspect. And uh, so, in order for her to sort of find out her identity, she has to find out why somebody wants to kill her, and uh, you know, my. There, there is a tie into her identity um, that, you know, was something that I had taken um, from classical literature. Uh, I always loved the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and the way Alan Moore had, like, morphed these Victorian heroes into, you know, this, this really cool storyline. And that was something that we were trying to do uh, with I. Holmes. Uh, we started with the artist uh, Dan Parsons. You probably know him from uh, Dark Horse. Um, uh, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, a lot of Star Wars projects, and he did book one. And then uh, we moved with our artist uh, Mark Renee, who's from Man of Action, uh, Baymax uh, uh, Studios, and he is somebody that I'd worked with on a couple other books, uh, one being The Machine Stops, which was an adaptation of a sci-fi story from 1909, an E.M. Forster uh, story. Uh, also about a, a robot, in, uh, coincidentally. Anyway, so we really wanted to work together on this, and you know, it's uh, been coming along. We the the arc. Uh, the, I should say the story set in um, the near distant future of 2009. So it's like iPhone fours and things like that, and it is an origin story. Uh, we just kind of like the idea of being able to jump uh, forward in time, and you know, and sort of be um you know have different places where we could tell the story and you see their her development as a person yeah and what a uh, fun read it was i mean you, you're talking about all these great artists you had on it was a beautiful book but i mean not only in art but uh storytelling one thing that really uh, stood out to me well a couple things uh, one that the weapon that the villain used that was ingenious. I love just the concept of that weapon. I'm not going to spoil it for people at home, but you just—it's something you've uh, you've never seen, and it's a great idea. Uh, the villain, the dark horse villain, he was awesome. <laughs> I loved him. 
kind of reminds me of like a BoJack Horseman kind of look. But (laughs) when I say that, you kind of snicker and laugh. But at the same time, when you see him on the pages, not the case. It really comes together. Yeah, Yeah. it's not a humorous appearance. It, It looks... You know, and, right. I, and I love that in a character when you can take a concept that like when you just put it down on paper you're like wait what but yeah. like when you see it in action you're like oh yeah for sure it was, it was really cool masks are always kind of hilarious to see in action but yeah in this case not so much no but the one thing that really stood out to me about this series at least these first three issues were how rounded they were I love that you know I mean it's for instance uh, Batman Begins when he's on the roof and he's having the final words with Jim Gordon before right, the movie's right. over, he's like, take this guy, for example. Armed robbery, blah, blah, blah. And he leaves this as a calling card. And it's a Joker card. That's a perfect setup for the next movie, you know? Right. It, it concludes and, the story. Yeah. You know, it's not like some blatant, crummy cliffhanger. Right. You get a nice... And what a strong foundation to, to establish this setting and these characters. Where you can get into it, be satisfied with the story, with the time you put into it, and know there's so much room. Right. And that's that's the hallmark of a great project. So and that's, that's exactly how these... That's definitely one of the strengths here. Yeah, yeah, that's how these three issues ended. So I just thought it was uh, brilliantly done. I was going to ask you uh, why the Sherlock's home universe, but you said you're just a big fan of it? Yeah, I always love that fictional world. Um it's, you know, over 100 years old. But what I noticed is that every generation ha- takes a turn at reimagining Sherlock oh, Holmes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and some of it is the story, um, you know, and he uses his logic and his skills of deduction and so on. But it's the contradictions of his personality that uh, I think are why we keep feeling he's really, really modern. And, uh you know, that kind of dichotomy of, you know, the Holmes world and his abilities, yet he, you know, it just, and yet he's messed up. And so that's what I, I said, you know, bringing it into this world, maybe, you know, having a young woman who has been blessed with these great abilities, um, yet has these problems. I, I, you know, I'm glad that you guys got that we came at it from character. If it didn't make sense for her character, then the gadgets aren't going to be nearly as cool. And there'll be kind of conventions. But, yeah, I, I just um, I really wanted to take my turn at the wheel of, like, bringing it in. I just thought that there were, you know, some things about even, you know, the, the films have been great and the TV series and so on. But it just seemed like every generation gets a chance to, like, reimagine it. And, I, and that's what I wanted to do. Typically, when you see a reimagining of Sherlock Holmes, the reimagining doesn't stray too far. It's like a the, palette swap. Yeah, you from know? the original concept. They most of the time still say in the uh, same time period. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen anything as far away from the original concept as this. And that's a and the connections you make are, are the conceptual. You yeah. know, it's like elements sort of under the surface of the character. It's mm-hmm. it's not something she doesn't walk around in a deer stalker cap or something, you know, smoking a pipe. You know, <laughs> hey, guess who I'm really? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 nothing like that. It's very subtle. It's not. Yeah. It's not brought to your attention right up front. So, well, I thought that the problem with a lot of adaptations is that they always imagine him very Victorian. You know, no matter what, his like sort of. Like he was either he's either kind of considered asexual or, you know, people would be like, oh, what's up with him and Watson kind of thing. And I just I'm like, you know, that really just seemed like that's kind of mired in the 19th century. And so once I kind of felt not encumbered 
that way, then I was able to say to take a look at the, the lore of Sherlock Holmes and look at it with fresh eyes. And, you know, same with the, the artist. We, you know, we had a lot of conversations about Dark Horse and, you know, whether he would be like kind of, you know, superhero-ish or supervillain-ish. And I said, no, he's got to be very contemporary. It's got to be like somebody who, once they take the mask off, he could be anyone. And, you know, that makes it, to me, it makes it more dramatic and, and scarier. Yeah. It could be someone standing right next to you and you never know it. It could even That's be me. <laughs> Jake, are you Dark Horse? Yes. <laughs> so uh, issue one and two are currently available, and issue three is yet to be released, correct? That's right. We just uh, wrapped it last uh, last week. Um and uh, so we're just, you know, taking it, waiting our turn. It's, it's all on Comixology now, and then we'll have a print release sometime later, uh, hopefully in time for San Diego Comic-Con in July. Well, I was going to ask you that, too, if you uh, get out to conventions, but obviously you do. So you're going to the big the convention to beat all conventions. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I used to go when it was a lot more fun. It, it's become the, a little bit like work. I, you know, at my home conventions are like Long Beach and, uh, you know, um, uh, most of the, the ones in Southern California. But, you know, San Diego is only uh, two and a half hours away. So I go and, it, uh, you know, I hate to say when I did a book called Prey, it was uh, with Marvel in 2007 and uh, was on uh, Dable Brothers imprint. And I did a signing at that time with George R. Martin, and we sat at our little table, and I would say like maybe every 30, 40 seconds, a fan would come up and chat chat with us, you know, so we were, we were busy, but not that busy, you know. Um, now, you know, George R. Martin would be in Hall H and so on. But uh, Comic-Con used to be more like that, so I find that if I go to other Comic-Cons, I was in Richmond, in uh, end of September, and that was a really amazing Comic Con to be at. Uh, people are really appreciative and knowledgeable, and, and and so on. San Diego is still fun, but it's a lot of work for for creators now. Right, I, not to mention all the crowds and all the people. And oh, I don't think I could do it. I'm right. claustrophobic. Bring your survival gear. Yeah, all those people, yeah. elbow to elbow for three days. I don't think I could. Camel do it. pack and an entrenchment tool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have to bivouac in. So do you guys have a uh, release date then for the third issue, or is that still pending? It's still pending. We're uh, going to hear momentarily from the publisher, which is Alterna. Awesome. Wow, that's awesome. Well, you're going to have to let us know, and uh, we'll definitely keep our listeners in touch and let them know how to get a hold of it. Absolutely. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Well, no, man, thank you. This has been a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. Okay, uh my arigato, Mr. Roboto. <laughs> hey, it's robots. Look at that. The theme is that. strong this episode. <laughs> Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cadairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes and see the new addition to the Wall of Justice. Check out some of the videos from our YouTube page, and if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. I'm still out there putting out quality material, people. I want to see some retweets. Please validate me. (laughs) 
No insecurities over here. No, no not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I need Check your likes. Tobias canned famous. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> uh, don't forget to check out our YouTube page too. A lot of good stuff on there. We have a new interview from Scoop Runyon from Ohio Con. Yeah, we do. That was fun. On there, yeah. And he was cool too. as hell. Yeah, great yeah. comic. The too. book looked cool. I was going to tell you, uh, shoot her a message. We should get her on the show. We'll do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I told her to. Uh, contact us, but I'll, I'll send her a Nip message. that one in the ass. Get yeah, her in here. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else, guys? I think that does it, right? Am I forgetting anything? No. All right. Well, until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. Well, I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Michael Lent. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is where he keeps the good stuff. You don't need drugs to get high. Talk! You just need the Candam podcast. That's good advice. Now we know. And no one is half the battle. Just one question. What are you doing outside the window? <laughs> Tell your mama to call me. G.I. Joe! These three issues, I sound like I'm blab blab uh, blathering. Sure, dear. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> history is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies, big and small. On conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.